3: Hello, welcome back into the AFC West mixtape. I'm not Pete Sweeney. I am Steven Serta uh, filling in for Pete Sweeney this week. Um, The Chiefs are on their bye. And so Pete Sweeney was just like, I got nothing. I got I got nothing on the Kansas City Chiefs this week. But. Very happy to be joined by, as we are each and every month throughout the NFL season, Bill Williamson of Silver and Black Pride, Michael Peterson of Bolts from the Blue, and Tim Lynch from Mile High Report. Fellas, eight weeks into this NFL season, and it's been pretty up and down for the AFC West, to say the least. So uh, we're going to go around the room and discuss kind of a status update, and also one word that you would use to to describe where your respective team is at right now, and I
2: will start with you, Tim Lynch. Uh, hopeless is the one word, and uh, you know the pulse of the team right now. I mean, the fan base—they're—they're they're ready to move on from Nathaniel Hackett. I think they've seen enough of, you know, the the issues there. Um, you know, he's a, he's a nice guy, he's likable, but the the product on the field has just been. Just the total lack of organization, um, questionable play calling, just nothing seems to make sense. And if you're a fan and you know the foot, the game of football pretty decently well, you know, you're really into football, you see it. And that's what's frustrating. You see the, the same problems every week. So, you know, I think at this point, a lot of fans are starting to look ahead uh, to 2023. And, you know, that's kind of where things are at.
3: And so we were talking just before we started the podcast and I feel like it is a little under discussed that the Broncos have a ton of injuries right now too, for a, a team that had high expectations coming into the season. And we've talked plenty on this show about the AFC West expectations that aren't really happening right now, but just from your perspective and kind of the, the temperature and that status, you said, hopeless and uh, for the Denver Broncos right now. Do you feel like with the expectations that we're coming into this season, like Nathaniel Hackett is kind of on the hot seat already just in here in year one as a coach?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, and the injury thing isn't, isn't a new thing. Uh, the Broncos have been in the top four, the last three seasons in cap on IR, So, you know, this isn't an issue that Hackett brought with him in terms of, you know, people getting injured. It's, it's a, seems to be a, an issue with the team somehow, but uh, yeah, he's in the hot seat. I think uh, Florio, Florio, Mike Florio from PFT today said that uh, the Broncos lose to the Jaguars in London, um, Bradley Chubb's probably going to get traded uh, by the d- deadline. Um, and there's three other guys on the trade block, too. So it, it kind of points that points to the idea that um, general manager George Peyton is likely also looking ahead to 2023 seeing that they they're low on draft capital and he's looking to recoup some of that so they can you know try to reset and and try again in in 2023 and I do not think that would include uh, Nathaniel Hackett
3: yeah things come at you fast in the NFL and we're only into week eight here and it seems like the Broncos could be moving in a totally different direction than we thought they were at the start of this season and I feel like that's an easy transition to Michael Peterson uh, for the uh, Los Angeles Chargers, obviously another team with very lofty expectations coming into this season. And while they're still sitting at four and three in the AFC West right now, they are very, very banged up just like the Denver Broncos. So how are we feeling, Michael?
0: Yeah. So I think last time the word I used was pain and, To be quite honest, that's also the perfect word for for this go-around. Pain is still here. We all feel it in the Chargers fan base. The team is feeling it. Um, But for the sake of of choosing something different, um, I'm going to use the word milk toast. And for those of you who don't know, it's kind of a a synonym for like bland, boring, uh, stagnant, sort of similar to those. Um, and, And mainly that actually has to do with the offense. Now, injuries, they're just kind of an umbrella thing. They're the chargers. It happens every year. You know, we can only beat that dead horse for so long, but when you look past the injuries um, the offense has been very milk milquetoast. It has been essentially like beginner mode on Madden type of play calling. It has been uh, stick, which is a lot of hitch routes, uh, Hank curl routes, curl flats. I mean, if you turn on a Madden game and you hit like, you know, just pick a play for me, they give you three options. It's like, do you want to run slants curl stick? those simple things. And that's basically what this offense looks like. Uh, Joe Lombardi, unfortunately, hasn't really given um, any confidence to the team and the fan base that despite the injuries, he can kind of figure it out. He can make do. We've seen Justin Herbert have success with uh, practice squad players um, as a rookie. He was still thrown to, you know, undrafted fullback, gave neighbors for touchdowns uh, before Donald Parham kind of showed that he could, he was a talented player. He was throwing touchdowns to him, um, fourth, fifth wide receivers. This hasn't been new for Justin Herbert. And for whatever reason, it just looks like he's in a little bit of a slump. Um, And I don't know, again, if he's if that rib injury is still bothering him um, this far. He's been off the injury report. So it makes it seem like he's making progress further and further away from that injury. Um, But either that or Joel Lombardi is lulling this guy to sleep because he's making some really off throws. The interception he just had against the Seahawks was in double coverage pretty much the entire way. He tried to rifle it 20 yards into a basically a five-yard hole with a safety barreling down on it before he even let go. So it's just been super weird. Um, it's not an exciting team to watch right now. It just simply isn't. Yes, the injuries are a bummer, but there's still plenty of talent left on the team, and for some reason we just can't seem to, I don't know, find any confidence, intensity, uh, get the fan base something to, to, to go off of. Right now they're last in the AFC West in point differential. That's tough for an offense with Justin Herbert as your quarterback and, and the lofty expectations that they did have coming into the season.
3: And you know, losing their top free agent cornerback this past week in J.C. Jackson, who has been battling injuries all season long, is just a really, really tough break for the Chargers. And kind of similar to what I asked Tim, Michael, Like I know the Chargers are 4-3 and three right now. I, I know Justin Herbert is... You know, maybe he is still dealing with that rib issue. The offensive line's obviously got some problems, and they're dealing with injuries there as well. But given the expectations for this team coming into the season and saying, like, we have Justin Herbert, and we have to go compete with Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs and these other tough teams in the AFC, like, is there any thought there right now with the Chargers that Brandon Staley could be on the hot seat or at the very least that Joe Lombardi's got to be out and they have to make a move there at offensive coordinator?
0: Yeah, I think the way things have gone, I mean, so right there before the Seahawks game, you had the potential to be 5-2 and two, uh, going into the break, right? And then if you finish even 500 on the back end, you're you're 10-7. and seven, You finish uh, with a better record than last year. But for whatever reason, you know, it's their second blowout loss at home, you know, like the place where you're supposed to lock it down, the place where you're supposed to play your best football. Um, and you just look at, again, injuries like – Injuries happen to every team. I understand the Chargers seem like they're snake bitten and and, and, and they kind of steamroll and pile up, but they've got talent. And then, but even before the big rash of injuries against the Jaguars, I think we still saw some of these issues. The defense still didn't look all that great. There were still obvious issues. Um, and when you look at it, like Joe Lombardi's ahead or calling the offense, Staley's the guy calling the defense. Ronaldo Hill is not the guy calling the plays. Um, and for whatever reason, It's just not working this off season. They spent all the money in the world to go get the defensive players to fit Staley's system. So this year it was his team. The defense was built in his image um, and we would finally see those things paying off. Well, before JC Jackson got hurt and people are going to look at that headline and be like, man, that's such a tough, tough loss for the chargers. J.C. Jackson was one of the worst graded players and just worst defensive players for the Chargers this whole season. And I understand there was the surgery before the year, but three, four games ago, he said he was 90 percent. And then he said he was 100 percent. He said the injury was not bothering him. So for him, these last two games to be by far the lowest graded player by pro football focus uh, is just insane. I mean, 17 interceptions the last two seasons to being toasted year or weekend and week out. It's just not good. I just don't think the injuries were excuses enough because both sides of the ball were kind of underwhelming before it all kind of happened.
3: There is something to be said that they're still sitting at four and three and seem to be battling out every single week, aside from last week's matchup against the Seahawks. But, you know, they're still winning football games. They're still competitive. <laughs> they're still potentially in the playoff mix down the line here. But. At some point, you have to question whether or not the circumstances around your superstar quarterback are the right ones for him to find a way to win and be competitive here in the near future. So moving to Bill Williamson, Las Vegas Raiders. They are coming off a big win over the Houston Texans. What's the uh, temperature right like right now with the Las Vegas Raiders, Bill?
1: Well, you know, I think my word has to be maybe. It's maybe they should be excited, you know, but – who knows? I mean, they're they're sitting at two and four. It's really interesting. A lot of the fan base and I think the team itself, but every team stays positive is very is looking forward to the rest of the season is very encouraged. And, you know, at two and four, that's a bit of a, a tall task. If you look at the history of the numbers, of, as far as how many teams make the playoffs at, you know, at starting oh and three and then being two and four, but there's so much parity this year. And the Raiders' schedule is so just easy, is the only word to say it. I mean, it's starting with Houston. They have a six game stretch that a lot of people think they can go undefeated in this six week stretch. And if they do that, they totally flip everything, right? And then they're then you're talking about seeding in the AFC. Um, the next five opponents uh, have a combined record of 13 21 and 1, uh, with only one of those teams, the Seattle Seahawks, having a winning record. And that's at the very end of this five game stretch. And the two teams that the Raiders have beaten, Denver and Houston, have two two wins and one win. So the Raiders know how to beat the bad teams. So they have a real chance here. But you know, still going six and zero oh is quite a quite a task. But if I think they can go three and two in this next, we've already won in the bank. If they go three and two. What are they? They're they're five and six. And I think you say, okay, we can do some things. Anything more, I think they feel pretty good about themselves. So it's it's really a maybe situation with the schedule ahead being very promising.
3: That is interesting, uh, considering the schedule that they have upcoming and what they could possibly do here, where it seems like you know, the Kansas City Chiefs are at the top of the AFC West, but everything that's going on in the rest of the division, it does feel like that wild card spot possibly is still up for grabs in this division. If somebody can go on a run here and put some wins together. But I guess like the, the silver lining in this bill, is it just that Josh Jacobs has been absolutely outstanding this season for the
1: Raiders? Oh, yeah, certainly. I mean, you know, at Max. Crosby, we did MVP last time we talked in September it was Max Crosby and Max Crosby has been terrific. But Josh Jakes is doing some things that's never been done before in this franchise. You know, and they have they had Marcus Allen, a Hall of Famer. They had Bo Jackson, of course. He's in his last three games. He's had at least 140 rushing yards and that's never happened. Um, he has, he's third in the league right now with 633. And the other two guys ahead of him, Barkley and Chubb have played seven games. So yeah, he's doing some really special things. I have a post up today. You know, this is a guy that right up during the draft, they didn't give him the fifth year option. And now he's a guy's like, okay, what are you going to do? So there's some real questions about his future and they're all looking very positive for him. So yeah, he's been good, but you know, the offense has gotten better the last three games as well. And in their last four trips to the red zone, dating back to late in the Kansas City game, or you know, their their last drive in Kansas City game in the red zone, they they made all four, and they really struggled for most of the first five games. So there is reason to hope.
3: Yeah, and we know that that Josh McDaniels' offense is a complicated offense and can take some time to to pick up, and so it's nice to see the Raiders putting that together, and you're seeing. Uh, a more explosive offense with Josh Jacobs, just playing at an absolutely elite level right now. So I I still think there's some optimism there for the Las Vegas Raiders to turn this thing around. Uh, My one word for the Kansas city chiefs right now is juice. Um, It was really the only thing I could think about coming off of that win over the San Francisco 49ers, where it feels like the chiefs struggle and sleepwalk through these regular seasons. And it's felt like that for the last couple of years in Kansas city, but it f- doesn't feel like they're doing that this year, at least outside of every game except for the Indianapolis Colts game, which is still one of the most inexplicable NFL losses of the season. But it just felt like they finally put it all together and they're still trying to get healthy on defense and the offense just looked totally unstoppable. And you know, they're playing at a high level right now, headed into the bye at, at five and two. So. Juice is how I would describe uh, my feelings on the Kansas City Chiefs at the moment. But I want to get into some of kind of what's gone wrong and what's gone right. We already talked about some of the positives that we're trying to focus on for some of these teams in the division. And there's no team in the AFC West right now that I think is completely satisfied with how they performed uh, up to their own expectations this season. You know, I just mentioned the Kansas City Chiefs awful loss to the Indianapolis Colts. So looking for the problems that have stood out, like what, what's gone wrong and what's gone right. And I'll go back to you, Tim.
2: Well, I think it's a, it's a mixed bag, obviously for the Broncos. They, they've actually been in just about every single game. They could really easily be six and one right now. If they just had a few points in the second half, I think they have five points in the third quarter all season long. Um, They've scored seven touchdowns in seven games, which is we have to go back to the '60s to find a time in the franchise history where it's been that bad. Even Tim Tebow's offense averaged more points, just to kind of give context. Um, so the the problem with with Hackett's offense isn't play design. The, the play designs are really good. It's it's the the play calling and the situ the situational football is just is just horrendous. Um, you know they. I think last week there was a situation where they faced a fourth down and they they were the defense was basically given them a first down and the play call was to throw a, a go route, you know, into the end zone. I, I I don't know. It just seems odd to me the way that they call games in the second half. Uh, all, almost all the offensive production comes in the first half, uh, and then in the second half you're just yep. Their scoring's done. Their 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 offensive drives are done. It's just defense hold. Don't let any points be scored, or, or it's over. And you know, obviously, it's over because no defense can be asked to do that. And that's the, you know, going to what's gone right is the defense. It's like night and day. It's probably one of the best defenses this team has had since their Super Bowl run in two thousand fifteen. And you know, we're just we're just watching them waste it uh, with with just. Horrendous uh, offensive play calling. Um, you know, I did see a tweet uh, today from one of the our local radio guys, Ryan Edwards, who talked about the Eagles last year were two and five, um, and their their head coach uh, Nick Siriani, I can't say his last name yeah, very well. Siriani, yeah. But uh, he gave up his uh, play calling, and they ended up making a run into the playoffs. And really, if I'm to have any hope at all. It would it would be that Hackett gives it up and you know they turn things around. Uh, but he reiterated yesterday that he won't be doing that. It's going to be the status quo and they're just going to do a better job. So I'm sure that's going to lead into my week eight pre uh, week eight preview here in a couple of minutes. But overall, we're just it's just we got two teams. One's one's a playoff team and one's the worst team I've ever seen in a Broncos uniform. So it's frustrating. <laughs>
3: in the modern day nfl i I, i've watched the broncos several times because the broncos are just prime time every week uh so far this season and so i keep telling myself like in the modern nfl you would think that an offense would just stumble into a a reasonable performance and it, it just hasn't happened for them yet this season maybe russell wilson does need to get right and he can turn things around but uh it probably is going to come down to Nathaniel Hackett giving up some of that offensive play calling. So I'll go back to you, Michael. What's going, What's gone wrong for the Chargers and, and something that is going right for them right now?
0: Yeah, I kind of ranted on about the offense a little bit earlier, um, called it milk toast and all that stuff. I mean, low yards per attempt. Uh, Justin Herbert has 108 passes thrown over the last two games. Uh, his yards per attempt is 4.9, easily one of the worst in the NFL. Uh, there's no explosive plays whatsoever. Um, basically, against the Seahawks, you had Mike Williams. Uh, Keenan Allen played a couple snaps like in the first half, two catches for 11 yards, and then didn't play the second half. Um, and then he was throwing to guys like DeAndre Carter, which is a career special teams guy, and Michael Bandy, who uh, we all kind of love, but he's still like, this is his first NFL season actually doing anything. Um, just to kind of iterate how much of a lack of uh, explosive plays we've seen from a Chargers offense. If you guys remember 2020 Herbert's rookie season, I mean, he threw it deep all the time. He had one of the best uh, passer ratings throwing it deep. So this is from Secret Base. This is from us at SB Nation. Uh, they did a, a chart of touchdown passes of 30-plus yards since the start of the season, like ranking it. Number one is Joe Burrow by a million. Patrick Mahomes has, is the second most. But you got to go down pretty far to see Justin Herbert. Now, just to name a few quarterbacks who have either as many, um, which is six, or more touchdown passes of 30 or more yards since the beginning of 2021. You have names like Jared Goff. Baker Mayfield, who hasn't started a couple games this year, Taylor Heineke, who hasn't been a starter the entire time either, Daniel Jones, and Carson Wentz. So if that kind of paints a picture of just how, again, non-explosive, really boring, uh, somewhat methodical this offense has been, uh, it's been super rough. Obviously, injuries don't help, but again, like it's an offensive coordinator's job to to make it work, to kind of adjust and and you know make your team how it is right now, how can they perform the best of their ability? I'll tell you what was really freaky was people within like the chargers fan base somehow crossed my uh, Twitter timeline, but the old article from some years back when the Detroit lions fired Joe Lombardi, that article came across a feed. And if you read this article, take the title off of it, you switch Matthew Stafford with Justin Herbert. You would think that was an article written like right now with the chargers firing Joe Lombardi, all the reasons they said, uh, why the head coach at the time, you know, didn't feel like it was a good fit, Um, how the offense looked through the season up to that point before he was fired. It was all eerily similar to what's going on with the Chargers. So that's been very, very unfortunate. Uh, Defense, unfortunately, is still bad, right? Uh, JC Jackson, the loss of him is tough, but uh, it wasn't good with him. Uh, I have to think that the defense, there's even a chance for the defense to get better uh, without him. Um, Bosa hasn't played since the Jaguars game. Uh, there's some guys stepping up like drew tranquil. Um, that's been really good. Uh, other cornerbacks have been fairly solid. Derwin James has kind of been himself. Khalil Mack six X on the season, still up there as well. Um, still can't stop the run right now, though. Again, Sebastian Joseph day, Austin Johnson, two brand new starting defensive tackles to help stop the run. They're allowing 5.7 yards per carry this year. They have two 70 yard runs allowed this year, both from rookie running backs. And then you've got two, three other runs of at least 40 yards, two of them being over 50. Um, a lot of bad right now, a lot of wrong for the Chargers. Um, as far as good, if we're going to try to find a silver lining here, uh, they're closing out some close games. You know what? Some seasons make or break by just how you can finish close games. They've been on the right side of a handful of them so far this season. Uh, You know, four and three is still a good record. I know it it sucks that they were this close to five and two. If they just would have taken care of a Seahawks team who has one of the worst defenses in the NFL, it didn't work out. They're four and three. They're the same as the Ravens. They're better than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Green Bay Packers. I mean, at the time, there's still some to cling on to. But when you look at the point differential, like I talked about earlier, minus 25, the worst in this division. And there's two two games ahead of both the Broncos and, and the Raiders. Right. Uh, It just doesn't make a lot of sense. They could easily, I think, easily be a two and five team, um, three and four or worse uh, this year if some things didn't bounce their way. So that's a little bit of right. That's a little bit of uh, wrong. Um, It's been up and down. I don't know what else to tell you.
3: Yeah, uh, I mean, I think the... You mentioned them being all could easily be two and five. I, I have to believe that Justin Herbert is, is the reason for that, uh, right. despite mm-hmm. everything going wrong, uh, seemingly for the Los Angeles Chargers. All right, Bill uh, Raiders, you know, picking up the second one of the season. And obviously they, they had a really nice performance against the Kansas City Chiefs that mm-hmm. you know came down to the wire and really gave the Chiefs everything that they could handle in that contest. But what's going right and, and what's been the biggest thing holding the Raiders back so far?
1: Well, I think when you start, when you're two and four, you start with, with what's going wrong. And it's, there's a real clear situation here is that it's all about the fourth quarter. And every you know everybody's talked about, well, they could have been this, they could have been that. That's every team because majority, nine percent of the games are super close. You watch the red zone in the morning thing and it's chaos, right? Five of the games are chaos. Every game is close. So it simply comes down to making plays in the fourth quarter. And in two games, the Raiders have, and in four games, they haven't, and they're two and four. So, the Raiders are going to play close games every week. That's just going to be the deal. So, the problem has been closing them out. And what do they do against Houston? They're they're losing 20-17 to against the crappy Houston Texans at home going into the fourth quarter. But... They may they play. They got pick six. They they scored twice in the red zone, and they beat them twenty one to zero in the fourth quarter to make it a eighteen point game against Denver. Denver scored. The Raiders got the ball. I think six seven minutes left. They went down and scored a touchdown. Had they punted like they were doing a lot in that game, and they would have gave the Broncos a chance to close the game out with a field goal. But they did what they had to do. But against the Chiefs and the Cardinals and the Titans and the Chargers, they didn't. So. Really, it's all about the one thing here is that they haven't done that enough. But when they do and they show that they can, it's because they're running the ball and because they're doing well in the red zone. Derek Carr is completing the, the ball. It's a very interesting stat I saw yesterday was that Carr is his average for completion percentage right now is 63.5. And that would be his lowest season total since 2017. Now against Houston, he had 78, 77.8, which was his highest total this season and only the only one over 64. So that's a positive. So if they continue to do these things, they can be okay.
3: I'd have to imagine Darren Waller, who's really banged up right now. Like we talked earlier in the episode about them still kind of finding their groove offensively and getting better as the weeks go on. It's, I still think that Darren Waller can be an elite playmaking tight end in the NFL if they can just get him back on the field and get him healthy. So uh, hopefully he is able to do that here pretty soon for the Las Vegas Raiders uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs, obviously sitting at five and two, uh, a lot more is going right than wrong right now. But the, it there's been some problems here for the Chiefs, uh, specifically in the secondary where coming into the season, we knew they were going to be thin there and they were going to be starting a lot of young players back there. And it has been an issue to an extent, but I think overall you have to feel pretty good about what they've gotten out of a rookie seventh round corner and a rookie fourth round corner. Uh, You know, we'll still, we're still waiting to kind of see what Trent McDuffie is. They keep telling us that he's an elite cover corner, but He played 21 snaps in week one, and we haven't seen him since. So uh, we still don't really know what they have in Trent McDuffie. So he might be the answer for them there in the secondary. And I I think the other thing that's been the biggest issue for them this season is the offensive line, where I don't really understand – why they get up for these big games and they look dominant and they look like they can give Patrick Mahomes all day long where they did it against the bucks and they did it against the 49ers, two of the better defensive fronts in football. And then, you know, the Raiders with their edge rushers and the chargers, when they were still healthy with, with Bosa and Mac just gave them problems all night long. And they've had much inferior defensive lines than that. Give them a lot of problems. So they've got to figure out how to be more consistent along the offensive line, because when they perform well, the chiefs offense looks like it's one of the more unstoppable units in the NFL. And, you know, they are leading the NFL in points, but a lot of that has to do with Patrick Mahomes and his ability to make plays outside the pocket. And uh, but as far as like the stuff that is really going right, I I already mentioned the rookie corners and just seeing what they've gotten out of them is pretty impressive considering they were not planning on starting a seventh round rookie and a fourth round rookie in their secondary for multiple weeks this season. Rashad Fenton has not been good for the Chiefs this year and when he's been healthy he's hurt right now he's missed the last two games but when he's been healthy he's been their biggest liability at cornerback and he was supposed to be one of the veteran presences in that secondary so I'd expect to see Joshua Williams and Jalen Watson a ton more the rest of the season and then we'll see what they get in Trent McDuffie once he actually is able to return to the field they seem pretty optimistic he's going to be available after the bye but uh, so the Kansas City Chiefs are on by this week, as I just mentioned. The Chargers are also on bye this week. So hopefully both those teams will take some time to get healthy and figure some things out over the bye. But let's get into a week eight preview for the matchups that are coming up for your guys' team. So I'll start with you, Tim. Broncos are taking on the Jacksonville Jaguars in week eight.
2: Yeah, so they're, they're playing in London. So they're, they've got the, uh, a unique travel schedule. I think they're already out there. Um, and frankly, what we expect... At this point, is more of the same. Um, you know, I've been pretty optimistic, thinking the offense was going to turn things around each and every week. Um, but the, it seems like nine to sixteen points is about what we're going to get um, from them. So I don't think that's—I don't see that changing. Uh, both teams are are on four-game losing streaks, um, and I know the, the Broncos' defense will likely limit. The opportunities Jacksonville has to score. Uh, I just have zero confidence a- at all in in Nathaniel Hackett and his scheme. So um I'm expecting a loss. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if if Denver wins. Uh anytime it's a low scoring, you know, tight game, you never know. Um, that's it just happens to be that they keep losing those games. <laughs> um, I figure at some point that, that'll that'll change and they'll surprise us and win one, but um, At this point, I'm with a lot of the fans. We're just kind of it's just we're waiting till the end of the season at this point. Hopefully
3: they just need some of that London magic. I know the Jaguars are like the London team, but maybe that's we've seen these kind of games before with the London matchups where it it just doesn't go the way you expect. I don't know if it's a travel or what it is about these London games, but maybe that's just something they need to turn things around. Uh, What about the Raiders upcoming matchup, Bill?
1: Well, it, I think it's really just more of the same what they did against Houston. We talked about it being a lesser opponent, and I think the Raiders have a real recipe for victory and a formula, and it's keep Jacobs going. Um, be, don't play down to their the opponent's inabilities. Don't make silly mistakes. Carr hasn't been intercepted in the last three games. That's a positive. Had three in the first game and one in the third, but he hasn't had any um, in the last three games. Got to continue that and, and just be – The the better team and make those plays in the fourth quarter. And I and again, I don't think there's anything magical here. To you know, they're playing they're playing another bad team, a two and five Saints team, who is really banged up. We don't know exactly what the Saints uh, injuries look like this week, but they they were missing a lot of key guys last week. So at least some of them are probably going to be out this week. So just go out and don't do the stupid things you were doing when you you started zero and three. And one and four. And and if they get a lead, you know, this is a team a lot of Raiders got a lot of credit for having a real exciting game on Monday night at Kansas City. But they blew a 17-0 lead and they blew a 20-0 lead at halftime against the uh, Cardinals. Can't do that. So just be it's just real simple. Just be a smart football team. And there are more talented teams than the Saints and just don't play down to them.
3: We'll see if those teams can, in fact, turn it around in week eight. And uh, last thing on this month's edition of the AFC West mixtape, and I'll go back to you, Michael, Uh, just looking in the mirror and making the call right now. Do you believe the Los Angeles Chargers will be a postseason team?
0: Uh, well, I'm actually going to say no here and, and try to produce a little bit of reverse psychology just because it worked last time, last time we had a show, uh, the charges were one and two and we, we predicted what the record would be by the buy. And I, I said, they'd be three and four. I just, you know, I, I felt that, uh, they probably split the, the next four games. Um, just in terms of like, you know, they just came off the Jaguars game. It just felt like that was the first reality check for the team. And I wanted to not get super optimistic about it. So three and four, two and two through that stretch. Well, they're four and three. It seemed to kind of work, you know, to a a degree. Uh, And I just think this right now, this team doesn't look as good as it did last year. That team finished nine and eight, uh, lost several games that they shouldn't have, similar to this year, I believe. Um, And they didn't make the playoffs just barely. So I, I just don't see, especially with the injuries, they were pretty healthy last year. Still were nine and eight, still barely missed the playoffs. It's just really tough to see the way things are going. And I know the buys here. They can get healthy. But in terms of like the type of injuries and the severity of injuries, this bye week is not going to bring back like a bunch of people. They weren't waiting to to get people active, giving them as much rest as possible, and then come after the bye and we'll kind of start fresh again down this second half stretch. No, I mean, Bose is not going to be back. Slater won't be back. Williams won't be back. I mean, the guys that are really, really hurting, uh, that the Chargers are hurting to have back, they're not going to be back. So right now, I, I, I would actually say the answer is no.
3: It really just highlights all of the excessive injuries that they've had this season that, you know, even coming out of a bye here, like there's so optimism around the injury. Not much is going to change.
0: Keenan Allen will be back, but it just so happens like it's right in time for Mike Williams to leave. You know, like it's just the worst timing in the world. And besides Keenan Allen, I couldn't tell you who's like notable who's going to come back after the bye.
3: Yeah, and I think Josh Palmer's in concussion protocol right now. If I'm correct, I, it is—it's uh, just not going well for the Chargers right now. All right, I'll, uh, I'll go back to you, Tim. Um, just you know, right now, if they can turn this thing around this week in in London, do you believe that the uh, Broncos will find a way to make the playoffs this year?
2: I maybe. I mean, if they win this week, then. You know, there is some hope that, that rekindles, um, you know, a lot of it comes down to how they win too. If they win 11 to 10, I think we're still looking at the same team, just the defense played good enough to hold it. Um, but you know, we, one of our, um, one of our podcast teams is, is based in Ireland, actually. They're Irish Bronco fans and they'll be at the game. So I'd be, I'd be happy for them to to be able to be at the game and, and see their, their team win in person. Um, but I don't think it, it, the only way it changes the narrative is if we see a change in the offensive production on the field. If they're still scoring 10, 15 points, I mean, I don't think that changes anything, win or lose. It was those that teams in the same position it was the week before. Uh, but any playoff run has to start with a win. So, yeah, it definitely keeps their hopes alive. And
3: moving on to you, Bill, uh, you've talked about the schedule and the upcoming matchups that they have, and there's some favorable games on, on this slate for the Raiders. Do you think that they can turn this thing around and try to make a run to the postseason?
1: Well, yeah, they certainly can. Um, would I bet on it right now at two and four? I mean, I think right now anytime a team is two and four and you you say they're going to make the playoffs, I think that's based more on hope than anything. So, you know, with, with, With the I'm not here banging on the table saying they're not going to make the playoffs, but it's a you know, it's a a, quite a task. And that's what that's what a slow start does. It puts you behind the eight ball. But there is a way out and it starts with these next five games and again, six with the last one already in the in the pocket. So like I said earlier, if they are five and six and very reasonably four and two in this stretch, they're five and six at. You know, you got six games to go. Give it a shot, and if they go five and one or six and zero, oh, certainly they're in it. But they have to do it, and they have to show consistency. Um, you know, there's eight teams in the AFC with at least four victories, and the Raiders have two. So that is a that is real. That's a lot. You gotta. That's a lot to leapfrog. You know, but we all thought the Patriots going to win last night, and that would have been nine. So it's not impossible. And I think the Raiders' biggest thing—the Raiders have going what have going for them is that the rest of the conference and the division isn't as good as what we thought. So they do have time to turn this around.
3: Yeah. And I think all of that actually works into their favor that, yeah, there's a lot of four win teams. There's a lot of three win teams and two win teams in the AFC right now. And, you know, I don't know about you guys, but I'm still not sold on the five and two New York Jets. Um, so I, I think those wild card spots are still definitely up for grabs in the AFC, and we've seen crazier things happen across the league. So uh, I think all of these teams, if things start to kind of fall their way, and it seems like a lot of it hasn't this season, they could turn things around. And yeah. as far as the Chiefs go, obviously I think they're a playoff team right now, sitting at five and two. Uh, I think the question more for them is as long as they keep it up and stay healthy, can they make a run at Buffalo for the potential number one seed in the AFC? I I think that's the biggest question. And and we'll find that out as the season moves on. Buffalo's obviously got the head-to-head matchup against the Kansas City Chiefs. So we'll see how things play out uh, across the AFC and across the rest of the NFL. But thank you guys for listening to this month's edition of the AFC West Mixtape. I will ask that you follow everybody's fantastic work at all of their respective sites. Michael Peterson at Bolts from the Blue, Bill Williamson at silverandblackpride.com, and Tim Lynch at Mile High Report. I'm Stephen Serta. You can find all our stuff at Arrowhead Pride, and we will talk to you guys again in a few weeks.